You're listening to Proselytize or Apostatize. Hey man, it's good to be back on the block. Yeah, nice man. Um, so so you went to India for a missions trip, correct? Yeah, man. And you left me here all alone. I left you and everyone else in the land of the free and the home of the brave for about three weeks. That's right, man. That's awesome, man. So we're gonna talk about that, but first I wanted to catch you up on some stuff. So I don't know if you noticed, but uh, Jesse Smollett, have you? Did you hear about that? I have no idea who Jesse Smollett is. <laughs> so he's a he is a a um, a star on Empire. It's a it's a show, and okay. basically he reported back in January that some Trump supporters beat him up outside of a store, right? Okay. So just like a couple weeks ago, as you were in India, this guy gets charged with faking the entire thing and paying two other people to beat him up. Is this the is this the gay guy? Yes, he is. He is a homosexual uh, that uh, paid some Trump supporters to beat him up. So that was in the news. I I did see some of that. Now, is it confirmed that he actually paid them off? He's been indicted. Let's put it that way. Okay. So is he? It, when's the um, court case on it? I'm not. I'm not totally sure, but uh, it, it's been some crazy stuff happening over here. We had yeah. that. We have Trump's in in uh, Vietnam now, meeting with Kim Jong. Yeah. So uh, and you know, just we had the Michael Cohen incident today. So yeah. I mean, you come back to and, like and India and India and Pakistan are going to war. Did you see that? Yeah, I don't know if they're gonna go to war yet. Usually they they you know escalate and then go back. You know, and then you usually like we'll jump in and like help you know uh, de-escalate the situation. So I don't know if they're gonna go to war yet, but yeah, they've been they've been scurrying on the border there for a while now. Yeah, I hope not because they're both nuclear countries. So that could Absolutely. could kind of be the end for us, especially especially when when I'm over there. They're like, let's just not have them drop nukes when I'm doing missionary work or, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll be out of here for good, bro, in that case. Yeah, I mean, you'd be sharing the gospel, man, and, and next thing you know, bright light, you'll think it's the return of Christ, but it's just a nuclear bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a let, well, I guess both of those would kind of yield the same result, so either either way, man. Yeah, so we've had some crazy news going on. Uh, I think it was yesterday that uh, the United Methodist Church has took a hard line on allowing homosexuals to be clergy, which is another uh -huh. big thing that happened. Um, I know this is like all as you're coming back, probably as you're on the plane, half asleep. But yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff, man. Um, in my news today, today, I actually got a lot of my basement done. Remember all the construction I'm doing? Yeah, bro. Yeah, man, I got a lot of that done. I got, I got all the, the old drywall ripped out and replaced it with uh, new insulation and some drywall and one of the cool things was is that well it's not really cool but my uh my father-in-law is a master electrician and he actually found some uh some very hazardous wiring as we were going through this stuff and fixed it for us which was a blessing man huge blessing so we got that up and now i'm just waiting to sand it paint it and put new flooring in and then 
focus on uh, the studio area where we do the show a lot. So um, that will be the next project. So there you go. So while the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you're just kind of down there in your basement, slugging away yeah, like a good dad. Doing what I gotta do, man. You gotta gotta keep it rolling, even even in the midst of the apocalypse. <laughs> even in the midst of a, a nuclear apocalypse, you're you're gonna have a nice basement at least. If it's gonna, if everything's gonna burn up, you want you want a nice basement to, to and, burn up. And this podcast will still be rolling. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, hey, man, I, this is not about me. This is about you, man. So tell me what you've been up to, man. Yeah, so this is actually my fourth trip to India. I've been going pretty much every year for the last four or five years. And um, we went to Uttar Pradesh, which is in north central India. We went to Manipur and Bihar. Those were kind of, we had a week in each of those destinations, um, you know, teaching at a discipleship training school with YWAM, uh, going to unreached villages, all, all sorts of cool stuff. That's awesome. So, like, one of my biggest things is whenever you're going somewhere else, trying the food is important to me. I'm a huge food guy. You know I cook, you know. So um, so tell me about the food and the culture, man. Well, they eat rice pretty much every meal. Like that's the staple, um, which, which sounds terrible, but their curry is so amazing. Uh, there's all sorts of different kinds of curry with all the spices, man. American food to me, is, I mean, there's some good American food, like the meal you made, my, my wife and I, that was good. Um, but American food for the most part is just kind of bland, right, compared to Asian food where they just like jam it full of spices. And I would say if, if there's one meal that I had to eat every meal every day, it would probably be rice and curry. I can see how they how they can survive on that. Um, so they eat a lot of rice and curry in Bihar, where we were the last uh, week. They eat a lot of roti and puri, which is basically um, chapatis or tortillas, that sort of thing, um, along with their curry. But yeah, extremely spicy, really hot. Um, yeah, I, I don't really know the finer details of what I ate. I just know it tastes pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's funny because you know you look at the look at a map. On the on that side of the world, they show rice everywhere, right? Yeah. And then our side of the hemisphere, it's corn. So yeah. you know, take take a you know. But I also got to say that maybe you're not eating the right American food, you know, because I don't know how you Mennonites do it over there. But you know, maybe actually, maybe men that's where the blandness comes in. No, Mennonite Mennonites are actually known for their cooking. Amish Amish and Mennonites are known for their good cooking. So you better not hit them there. Actually, you know what, buddy? You know what? I, I do got to admit, I had the best deli sandwich at a Mennonite shop off of 29. It was called Yoder's. And my, they had my, everything you know what's was funny? Friendly. Yeah. My dad used to work there. I've worked there before. Did you? That's awesome. Maybe we ran into each other. If, if um, you've ever had any interaction with Mennonites or a Mennonite institution of any kind, trust me, like I've, I've been involved as well because we're all like spaghetti that's connected, you know? Dude, that's all awesome, man. I, I mean, yeah, like food my is little like, food joke. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, but you know, I I just love food. So I mean, like trying all, all the different things. I mean, did you have an actual favorite that you that, that you had there besides the curry? Oh man, I would say puti, which is like I said, kind of like a tortilla, except they deep fry it, and it's the the center is hollow. So like right out of the oil, that thing is 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 a, is a work of art right there, bro. Is that what made you sick over there? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know what all made me sick. I I actually was pretty safe this time. Usually I eat all the street food, drink the normal water. Um, but this time my wife is is pregnant, and so she was really wanting to be safe. So I was kind of safe too. But I still got sick, man. It's it's like the the different environment and everything is is so completely foreign that your body just needs to get sick at least once, you know, just to to make sure that you know you're in a different place. Yeah, to flush the American out and in with the That's Indian. right. Out <laughs> with the old and with the new. There you go. So so Titus, tell me why India? Why did you why do you choose India to go over there four times? Oh man, that's a long story. I'm gonna have to monologue for a while to answer that if you're go cool ahead, with man. It. I'm here. I'm here. So I actually grew up in Kenya on the mission field, 10 years of my life. But the thing with Kenya is it's already 80% nominal Christian, right? So my dad was was planting churches and doing mission work, but it was more, you know, trying to get people who already profess to know Christ to actually follow him. Um, And so came back to America when I was 11 or 12, and I was not into being a missionary. I was not interested in it at all until I was around 18 years old, I read a book by David Platt called Radical. And in that book, he talks about parts of the world where they have never even heard of the name Jesus. They've never heard the gospel before. He talks about world poverty and things like that. And it, it was a real wake-up call because like for me, I thought the idea of people who've never heard of Jesus before is, is sort of a thing of the past, like back in the time of David Livingstone and all that. But I was, I was reading this, I was like, man, there's still people who've, who've literally never heard of the one way that we can be restored to a right relationship with the Father. And, and here we are in America, a bunch of Christians all piled up on a heap telling the gospel to people over and over who reject it every time we tell it to them. Like, why not go to where they've never heard this message once? Um, so I, 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 that really woke me up, and, and so I just did what anyone in the 21st century does. I went online and started Googling. Um, unreached people groups, people who've never heard the gospel. And I came across a website called the Joshua Project. And on this website, it lists every people group on the planet. Um, and, and when I refer to people group, I'm talking about like an ethnic group. So like when, when Jesus said, go, pre- go make disciples of the nations, the, the word nations is translated from the Greek word ethnos, which means like an ethnic group, a group of people who has a similar language, in a similar culture, um, because Jesus knew once uh, the gospel is preached in every one of these people groups, um, then everyone will be able to hear the gospel. Like if there's a people group with no Christians, that means there's a language barrier for them to hear the gospel, right? But if they have Christians within their group, then they'll probably be able to hear the gospel. Um, so this this website, the Joshua Project, lists all these different people groups, and I was looking over the largest people groups that still have 2% or less Christian in them. And I came across this group called the Yadavs, Y-A-D-A-V. They live in North India, North Central India, kind of all over India. And I was reading over their profile the, the information about them, and one sentence just like really jumped out at me. It said that most Yadavs will die without ever hearing the name of Jesus once. And like that, that just like, that hit me deep, man. And so I was like, I, I need to learn more about this group. I went online and I, I found videos, information on them. And just sort of over the next couple of years, it felt like God was solidifying that this people group is a group that I'm supposed to target um, with the gospel. 
Um, so that's been what I've, that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple years. I, I believe that the gospel will go forth the most effectively by through indigenous missions. Uh, so like empowering Indian believers, Indian pastors to reach their own people. Yeah, so, I agree. so that's sort of what the, the strategy we're adopting. We're going over there to encourage the believers who are reaching their own people to see how we can um, help support them financially, how we can channel resources from the West to support them financially. Um, and just seeing kind of what doors open up. So, yeah, that's long and short of it. That's awesome, dude. And I can tell you have a real passion for it, man, just in the way you're talking. I think that's 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 Holy Spirit-led, you know. And uh, But, you know, to further that along, I mean, what language do they speak over there? I mean, were you able to communicate or did you speak in tongues? <laughs> yeah. So they speak their, – their national languages I think are English and Hindi. Um, and, and in North India, pretty much everyone speaks Hindi. Not many of them speak English, but most of them speak Hindi. So that's that's the language I need to get my butt in gear and learn. Um, but throughout India, they speak you know hundreds or thousands of, of languages. Also, but yeah. If if you know Hindi, you can you can get around pretty well, at least in North Indi, uh, India. Yeah. So so tell me a little bit about what the Yadav are like. What's their culture like? You know. It, Things like that, just just things that stood out to you. Yeah, I mean, the Yadavs are sort of like a caste, and they're a medium to high caste. Uh, they are really into, you know, taking care of buffalo and, and cattle and selling milk and um, also serving government, military, police forces, and, and things like that. Uh, but they're, they're sort of mixed with a lot of other different people groups in North India. Um, so when I would go into, like, a remote part of... Uh, the Bihar state, which is where a lot of Yadavs are. Some of the villages would be Yadav, other villages would be other people groups, but they all pretty much live the same. Um, in, a, in a remote village like that, they're going to be living in, you know, shacks made of reeds, um, sticks, just, you know, pretty rustic stuff. Now, of course, there's some people who live in concrete houses as well, but yeah, living living in pretty rustic shelters, and often they'll have their cattle right there with them, like uh, right next door. So there can be some hygiene issues, uh, but of course they consider the cow to be holy. They consider it to be sacred. They won't eat beef. And so they kind of want to live with their God, I guess. <laughs> and I, I, well, I don't know if a cow is technically a God to them, but it's definitely sacred to them. Yeah, it's uh, definitely. Then in the cities, dude, the cities of India are so overcrowded and polluted. It, it's, it's insane, man. Um, I would actually probably rather live in one of those little shacks out in the country than in the crowded, <laughs> congested, polluted cities. But, but the, the thing with India, though, is that there's, there's some extremely wealthy people, too. Like, wealth disparity is, is pretty, pretty sharp in India. So you've got everything, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, I mean, what, what stories do you have? I know you, you said earlier that, you know, because um, – be honest with you we try to do this live from india folks so yeah. <laughs> but it didn't work out but you were telling me that some acts type of stories were going on like like you saw some some pretty miraculous stuff so i just want you to highlight on that a little bit yeah i didn't actually see a lot of the miracles that i was referring to but mostly just heard stories about them so the first stop like i said was in uttar pradesh it's just east of delhi and we met some pastors that we support financially or we support their training 
uh, through a ministry called Serve India. And we were just hearing their stories. These are guys who are all Hindu, right? And pretty steeped in their Hinduism, but they almost all of them have the same story. And let me just give one of them, which is kind of exemplary of all the stories. This was a guy who was a Hindu, and he was paralyzed for like 20, 30 years, I think from the waist down. So he went to all these different Hindu gods and goddesses, trying to get healing to all these different miracle workers within Hinduism. Nothing worked. Finally, he decided, let me go and let me go to a church and pray to Jesus as a last resort. And he said the, the minute the pastor prayed for him in Jesus' name, he was completely healed. <laughs> it just just insane. And and so this guy just goes out. Obviously, he turns to Jesus, he repents and becomes a follower of Jesus, and his whole family is a follower of Jesus. But they he just goes out and starts preaching the gospel. And, uh, you know, if you've been healed like that, what you know of Jesus is that he heals, right? So he, he, these, guys, these guys are going out and healing sick people, casting out demons, preaching the gospel. They're seeing entire Hindu villages come to Christ, entire families of Hindus come to Christ, which is a big deal in that culture. Like you're leaving behind centuries of tradition and you're facing persecution as a result. Um, and, and so a lot of these guys have stories like that, and they planted three or four churches already. Just just crazy stuff going on. Like, uh, and, and they're willing to forsake everything. Like they're they're being ostracized by their whole their villages. Like this one guy, his village wouldn't let him um, get water from the water supply, and so he was just praying, praying, and like st- even more stories. Like God shows up in a, a vision and says, "You're gonna." Be provided for and then you know a couple days later someone comes and digs a well right beside his house like just just wild stuff like that um, yeah. and I've been thinking you know why why are they experiencing these miracles why why does it look like the book of Acts over there and not here as much and I think it's because God's spirit will be moving most powerfully in the parts of the world that have yet to hear the gospel right yeah, I agree. because I agree I mean, Jesus said, lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age, right after he gave the Great Commission, right? And, and these are places that desperately need an inbreaking of the Holy Spirit. And that's when God's going to show up with miracles like this. So, like, we went over there expecting to encourage and teach our pastors that we support, but actually ended up, like, being blown away by their stories and, and encouraged by them. So that was that, that was cool first week. Yeah, man. Um. So what about your story? I mean, tell me exactly what you did, like things that you did that, that you really enjoyed and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that first week I did teach a lot. Um, when, when I met, when we met the pastors I supported, I, I encouraged them. I, I taught um, them from the Bible as much as I could, even though I felt pretty unworthy to do that. And then from there, we, we flew to Manipur. We actually have some friends from America who are, uh, starting up a coffee shop in Siliguri. So we met up with them. They they flew into Manipur, and we just hung out with them in the city for a while and exploring, you know, chilling. And then we went to this YWAM base, Youth with a Mission base, and I taught for a week on evangelism, uh, which was cool. I actually taught them some apologetics, used some William Lane Craig videos, and, and tried to give them a crash course in apologetics and just evangelism. Um, that was cool. But I would say the the highlight of, of actually what Brenna and I did as far as ministry was uh, when we went to Bihar in the last week, which is right next to Uttar Pradesh. And we were able to go to like very unreached villages, places where 
you know, I'd walk up to people. I've got videos of walking up to people, asking them if they've ever heard the name Jesus, and they shake their head, right? And so it's, it's, it's just this thrilling opportunity to be able to tell someone about Jesus for the very first time. That was amazing. And, and what was crazy, dude, is that people would come to us. Like, people would be constantly coming to the pastor's house and just saying, we want to hear about this. And so the pastor would call me in and be like, you need to share the gospel with these guys. Like, probably like 10 to 20, maybe 10 times in a day, right? And wow. so just like, share the gospel. They would translate for me. And this one guy came in. He was uh, He actually worked in a studio mixing music for people. And he came in, and, and I shared the gospel with him. And was like, hey, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And so knelt down, prayed with him. Same night, we went out to a river, baptized him. It was freezing cold. But like, according to my theology, people get baptized the same day that they give their life to Jesus. So, so we yeah. baptized him the same day and um, met with him the day I was leaving just to encourage him. The pastor's discipling him, doing follow-up with him. So that was amazing. That was the first person I ever baptized for sure. And one of the few people I've ever actually led to the Lord. Because I'm not usually the kind of guy who goes around trying to get everyone to say the sinner's prayer. Like if, if someone's yeah. giving their life to Jesus, I want to make sure they understand the cost of it. And yeah. so I don't have a lot of stories of like, oh, I went out witnessing and 500 people said the sinner's prayer just because I'm not into that. Um, but but this was really cool because I'm actually able to see fruit from sharing the gospel. So I would say that was the highlight, that guy giving his life to Jesus and just the opportunity to share the gospel with people for the first time, really, and, and how interested they were. Like, they weren't turned off like people here are. So Yeah, they're a little bit more open, you know? Yeah. But especially, like you said, I think the gospel is is even more accepted among those that, that are in that type of situation in that, you know, it, whether it's poverty or whatever, you know, but where it's needed the most, like you said, I mean, it's, it, it explodes. And I think people are more receptive, you know, but, um, yeah, man, that's amazing, man. I love to hear the stories when you come back from missions trip right now, actually, we just finished a, uh, well, we're almost finished. I got like a couple more weeks, but we're training our youth to go out to Fredericksburg in the city and go door to door. So I've been yeah. training doing some training classes along with the youth pastor on, uh, you know, how to deal with people, deal with worldviews, deal with, uh, um, you know, different attitudes and, uh, how to witness, you know, and, and answer the tough questions, which is awesome too. It's, you know, and that's what it's about, man. We got to spread the gospel regardless, man. Yeah. Yeah. And there's things anyone can do here in the States. Uh, of course, just like you said, spread the gospel here locally, but to, to spread the gospel in places where it's never been heard. Like uh, the ministry I was referring to earlier, Serve India, you can sponsor a pastor for like 45 bucks a month. What they do is they, they'll find a pastor who's already planting churches and they'll, but, but lives in a remote area and has basically no Christian teaching. So they'll find guys like that and come alongside them for five years and just give them the biblical training and the resources they need to plant more churches, basically like multiplying their efforts. So for like 45 bucks a month, you can support pastors through that ministry if you just go online to serveindia.com and um, be part of the gospel, reaching unreached people literally um, by the money you give. You, if you want to come to India, I'll, I'll take you there. I'll, I'll give you a tour. I'll take you to villages where they never heard the name Jesus before, and you can get that opportunity. So if you're down yeah, for that. I'd love, I'd love to go sometime, man. I'd definitely love to go sometime. Um, 
I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to outreach like that either, man. I love it. Uh, we actually, at, a, at my older church, we uh, were part of something similar, which is called the Timothy Initiative. And they did that that type of stuff too. They would train local pastors and stuff like that. It's it's an amazing project. I really liked it. But uh, and they brought some some stories in that you just wouldn't believe. And that's that's why I like interviewing people about mission trip because they always got something that God has blessed yeah. them with. Back then, so I really appreciate you doing that, man. And we're getting to the end here, so I know we're just kind of keep this one a little short. But I think I yeah, think got this this. Uh... Episode, of course, is very Christian-y, so if there's any atheists listening, you probably were kind of bored, but it was funny, so I I, <laughs> I text Jordan, um, the atheist that we have on this show, from time to time, and I, I shared this story about the paralyzed guy. I just wanted to hear what he said, and, and so he was coming up with all these natural explanations, but I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, Jordan, dude. Right? Uh, yeah, it it just seems like at, at some point you're really taking a leap to try to come up with natural explanations for healing from paralysis. Paralysis? Yeah. Did I say that correctly? Uh, anyways. Paralysis. You got paralysis. Paralysis. You still got jet lag. Okay. It's yeah, dude. I'm I'm so tired. Anyways, so where was I going with that? Yeah. So he was coming up with all these different explanations, and I was thinking, you know, honestly. event in my own life like a healing I've seen or an answer to prayer or the miracles I hear from my friends who tell me that they've seen supernatural healings like at some point there, there comes a point where I'm like there's no way all of these people are a lying b miss or be mistaken or c it's just happened by chance there's no way that this could be happening I like I see a pattern here and I man I, I just wish I could take Jordan to India. It's funny if he's listening to this, but I wish I could take him to India and be like, meet these pastors, look them in the eye, and and try to decide for yourself if they're lying. And if 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 you come to the conclusion that you're not that they're not lying, please tell me how this happened, right? And so these miracles have been super super strength building for me or faith building for me to to hear these stories for sure. Yeah, man. And you know that's just one. You know, one caveat as an apologist, you know, we understand like you can't have just the arguments and the answers and stuff like that. Christianity is meant to be experienced, and we're meant to experience a a relationship with God, I think. You know, um, and and yeah, that's just to me, that's that's the you know, that's the whole plate of food, you know, you know, that's that's the whole thing, yeah, you know, and you got it, it. If you're missing the experience, you're missing one of the the, the main courses of the meal, you know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah, man. So I appreciate you coming on, man. I know it's getting late and you're a little jet lagged. So uh, we'll wrap it up for tonight, man. Cool. Yeah, everyone, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel here. We're also on iTunes and Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. So yeah. I hope I hope to see you guys next time. We got some good stuff coming up, right? Yeah. Right, David? Got any yeah. teasers? And, and you can and you can get and you can get to uh, Virginia Apologetics Union and find these videos and more yeah. apologetic stuff uh, for your liking. Right. That's on Facebook, right? Yep. All right, man. Cool. Take care. All right, hey, talk to you later, bro.
Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Proselytize or Apostatize. I hope it was helpful for you in your journey toward truth. One thing you can do to really help us out is leave a rating and review. It helps other people discover the show. This episode was edited by Christian Sconewald with music.